2: Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.
1: What a terrific Tuesday afternoon. How are you? Welcome to the Jason Greger Show on Sports 1440. Coming to you live. Oilers Nation YouTube is always presented by PlayAlberta.ca. Alberta's only regulated online gambling website where 100% of the revenue stays right here in the province. And you know what it means on uh, Tuesdays, baby. Lotto max. And hey, maybe your luck will change like that. has for the orders, $28 million up for grabs tonight. Stay within your limits. Good luck. Remember, if you uh, win, share the wealth. That's what we always say. Share the wealth. The uh, Edmonton orders... Have a winning streak. Well, hey, stop the presses. Yes, uh, they have won two games in a row, which leaves only the Chicago Blackhawks as the only NHL team who have uh, yet to win consecutive games. Of course, uh, the order is back-to-back games. They only allow a goal against, which is step in the right direction, to put it uh, politely. They obviously have uh, needed to be better defensively, and you know now, now they've got to continue it. Right. Uh, it, it's two games, and I, I don't want to get too excited because it is against Seattle and the New York Islanders, two teams that uh, aren't offensive juggernauts, but you got to start somewhere. So uh, good news for the Orders. Uh, they've scored four goals in back-to-back games, so uh, that's nice. Uh, they're up to now 24th. In in goals per game, the Kraken are twenty ninth, and the Oilers are thirtieth. So uh, they play the uh, Kraken again tomorrow. If you are looking at teams, they should. I put that in parentheses because they all know what happened, San Jose. Um, that hey, that doesn't mean anything. So we'll, uh, we'll see where it goes. But it is a uh, it is good time. The orders, of course, have uh, Seattle. Then they're on the road, tough road trip. They're in Tampa Bay on Saturday. Next Monday, they're in Florida. Then they're in Carolina, and then uh, next Friday, the twenty fourth, it's the uh, rare. Uh, 11 a.m. Edmonton start time, because that is, um, Black Friday in the U.S. So, uh, the third, the Friday after Thanksgiving, uh, everybody's excited. And hey, speaking of next Thursday, Sports 1440 live on location, uh, Carrie's show and, uh, my show will be live at, uh, the ice house downtown. Big uh, all-day Thursday uh, football fest. Of course, uh, we'll be setting up the orders in Washington. They'll have already played three road games, so uh, we'll have some fun there. That is uh, next Thursday at the uh, Ice House. Uh, I think Patty's plan, we're going to have a little breakfast special for all of you who downtown, you want to come over for breakfast, can do that. Uh, Oilers last night, pretty solid, convincing victory over the Islanders. Now, the the start was not great. We all know uh, Matt Barzell scores less than a minute in the game. And how many people were like, oh, here we go again. I can understand if you felt that way. Because you've seen it a few times. But you know what? The Orders, hey, after they cracked down. Stuart Skinner made saves when he was called upon. The Orders didn't give up a ton. And rather than force things, because the second period, for whatever reason this year, they're awful. Like, their second period is brutal. It's the worst period by far. But the Orders... Uh did get three goals in the third period. Their power play. We've talked about this for a while. Like their power play hasn't been awful. It was 23.9%. But timely goals. And last night, they had two timely goals in the third period. Huge. It's a it's a one-one game. Hyman scores what? Nine seconds, seconds in the second into the um into the uh, the power play. And then you have uh McDavid scoring finally ends his nine game uh score streak. Hey, good news. Connor McDavid jumped up from 130th to uh, 90th in uh, NHL scoring, which uh, which asks the question today: How long do you think before Connor McDavid is top ten in league scoring? And where do you think he finishes? Does he lead the league in scoring? Is he second? Is he third? What do you think? Let me know. You can text us in our Jiffy Lube inbox eight three three four zero one fourteen forty. Be wise. Winterize. Book your oil change today. At Jiffy Lube It's JiffyLubeService.ca We have uh, lots of text flying in already We'll get to some of those uh, Other news and notes Hey Buffalo Bills fans How you feeling? Oh. Now they fired their offensive coordinator today Connor But when, when you look at the turnovers yesterday Is that all bad? Now, their offense has been bad for five weeks, though, so let's say that. But, like, Josh Allen, now, the first interception's not his fault. It's right through the hands of the receiver. But I don't think that's the offensive coordinator's fault either. Um, Sometimes coaches get fired when it's not deserving. Right, order fans? I think you've seen it. So, uh, what do you make of the change in Buffalo? they got to do something. The Bills have been floundering.
4: Yeah, for sure. And like you said, I mean, Gabe Davis, feel free to catch the ball. Yeah, I mean, you can't blame that on your quarterback. You can't blame that on your offensive coordinator. I guess that's the easiest move to, to maybe spark them because you can slide someone in. Joe Brady's going to take over. He was the OC with the Carolina Panthers a couple of years ago. Uh, you can go back and look at their statistics. It wasn't mind-blowing, but they didn't have the top-end talent, I suppose, either. Did have Christian McCaffrey. But yeah, I mean, the last four games, they've won one. It was against the Buccaneers. They now lose to the Broncos, the Bengals, and the Patriots in that time span. I mean, how do you lose to the Patriots? Nobody loses to the Patriots. It just hasn't been good enough. So, you, you think that might be a spark? I mean, even with the struggles, Gregor, and the turnovers that they had, if they can count, they win that football game. <laughs> yeah. like, it, like, they were yeah. still in it. They just got to stop, you know, shooting themselves in the foot. So, it's errors the going their own way. So, maybe this is a way to try to make everyone a little more attentive in, in video or film and have everybody ready to go when they get out there. But that was still a very winnable game. So, I would be a little concerned for the Buffalo Bills mostly because of their schedule. They've got the Jets. Which they should win, with the Eagles, Chiefs, Cowboys, Dolphins, I'll throw the Chargers in there simply because they do play the Chargers. But, you know, it's not going to be an easy stretch for them. So they really need to get their stuff in gear and ready to go because any more losses and they could find themselves on the outside looking in. The AFC is just so competitive right now.
1: Well, they're already on the outside looking <laughs> yeah, in. Yeah, exactly. right? That's uh, true. Houston and Tex uh Houston and Cincy are five and four and they have the uh, they're tied for seventh, the final playoff spot. Then there's the Colts and the Bills and the Raiders. At five and five, so yeah, they've fallen that far. Now, sure, they're only well, they're not even only two because Miami's only played uh, nine games. So uh, the Bills have played ten games. So you know what, uh, you know what, the, I assume they got the bye then coming up here. I think they did have the bye next week or the week after. I can't remember when it is, but uh, either one, they got seven games left, and uh, some of the other teams, lots of the other teams, are chasing. out eight, so it's uh, it's not a good situation right now for the Buffalo Bills. So I, I get why they made a move. Uh, we'll see if it's the right one. Uh, Josh Allen's just way too many turnovers. They're not all his fault, but he's part of it, so he's got to be better uh, for the Bills. Also, Jim, he had texted us yesterday, cons, in our playalberta.ca pick him. And uh, we agreed with, uh, you know, we went with Jim's pick of the Bills. Screwed it, it's over, Jim. Cost the kids some money. It's all for charity. Well, of course, I'm kidding. Having fun. But uh, had the orders winning, we had the uh, Avs winning, and we had the Bills winning. But uh, lo and behold, it uh, it did not happen last night so um uh little un a uh, little unfortunate uh what can you say it uh that's how it goes so um coming up on the uh program today, we got a loaded show for you today there's lots and lots to discuss uh Jeff Merrick will uh join us host of the uh, jeff Merrick show uh like like me, he put a lot of thought into naming his show I like it I like it a lot. Uh, Sean Brown was back after a trip to, uh, Arizona. We'll talk to, uh, to Brownie. What, what's his thoughts? Uh, it was interesting watching Paul Coffey last night. He was very vocal with his players on the bench, right? Like talking to, I noticed three or four different times he's talking to Vincent Deharnay. He's talking to Bouchard. He's talking to CeCe and Ekholm. And, and Ekholm talked about it today. You know, there's a feeling out process for both. Some players like Ekholm said he loves getting that feedback right away. He likes it. Some guys don't. Some guys like, no, nah, no, nah, nah, tell me after. Right. Everybody's different. So you got to find out, uh, what works. Uh, we'll talk to Brownie about that. Dave McCarthy is always is by every Tuesday. Uh, Strutty as well. He's having a lot of fun right now. Old Strutty. Lots of fun on, uh, on Twitter in regards to my lost bet. So, uh, I'm sure he'll be uh, laughing about that. Spec and DVD, of course, uh, help your neighbor. We're down to four days left. If you know somebody, make sure you're paying attention coming up in the, uh, in the four o'clock hour, right in the first segment of four o'clock where, uh, you can qualify. Per chance to win a high efficiency furnace from Legacy Heating for somebody uh, in your circle, and uh, some great prizes for yourself. But uh, the big one, of course, is you're going to gift the uh, the gift of heat to uh, someone. So, see. Um, bad news for the Emmonson Oilers. I'm sure you were watching the game last night in the uh, in the second period, and uh, you can watch this if you want right now on our YouTube channel on uh, Orders Nation because uh, we have the video of, uh, of Dylan Holloway and uh very unfortunate injury is Holloway skating and he literally just lost an edge, crashed hard into the sideboards, knees first. And uh, he's got a knee injury. And uh, I'm told probably months for, uh, for Dylan Holloway. That is, that's awful. Like any is terrible, but when you just lose an edge and crash into the boards and, and that's what leads you to be, you know, for a while, that's uh that's real unfortunate. So that's that's the latest on Dylan Holloway. Uh, Connor Brown was uh, was skating today. He was on the uh, fourth line with uh, Lavoie and James Hamlin. No word yet. Brown said he feels close, but obviously they're waiting for the doctor. Uh, it's nothing about his knee. He went into it. He said, hey, this has nothing to do with his knee. It's maybe some compensation, right? Uh tweaked his groin a little bit, but he uh, he says he feels good now. It's just a matter of you know. Do you, do you wait until Saturday? That's three extra days. So that's basically, I think, what it comes down to. De Brown. He obviously feels he's ready. He was involved in, in. They had some battle drills at the end of practice today, like a, a one-on-one slash one-on-two, depending on which way you were going, uh, going cross ice, just in the offensive zone, and uh, he partook in all that. He skated a lap after a punishment lap uh, because the the light blue team lost. So that's the uh, injury update for the orders. But just. Terrible news for Holloway, man. Um I thought Dylan Holloway's game was coming. I, th- I thought the last two weeks he'd played quite well. Scored a goal, of course, his first of the season in-, in the victory in Seattle. And uh was getting good on the four check. I thought he was using his speed more. was a little bit more confident. And now, unfortunately, uh, he is going to be out uh for a while for the Edmonton Orders. Um, should point out, I don't know for certain if they're going to put him on LTIR right away. You can do it at any point. But... If you put them on LTIR, right now the orders are accruing cap space every day. Granted, not a lot, but they are accruing cap space every day. And if you put them on LTIR, now they might do it to call up a forward. If Brown's not ready, you could do it, call up a forward for the game. Right, so that you might have to do it. But if Brown is ready to go, they could just stick with the the, the twenty skaters. And uh, not put him on LTIR, and still keep accruing cap space for a few days. Right, those are the options. Matthias Janmark not skating yet with the uh, with the main group. He was skating on his own last week. Is still skating, but obviously uh, he's away. He's still uh, he's not playing tomorrow. I don't know if he's going to play on. He have to practice with the main group. I would think at least twice uh, before we see him uh, in the in the lineup. So uh, those are your uh, your updates for the. Uh, Edmonton uh, Oilers. Gregor, good question. I still think McDavid's going to win first. He just gave everybody a head start. Well, he he did win going away last year, right? And he was what twenty three points ahead of Drysidle, and then like thirty some ahead of everybody else. So yeah, I wouldn't be stunned. But it's still, you know what? You've uh, you've spotted some guys, some points. And, uh, you know, we'll see. He's got 12 points. He's kind of like only halfway there to Elias Patterson. So we'll see where it goes for McDavid. But, hey, what about the game by Dreisaitl last night? Four-point game. He now has uh, 24 four-point games in his career. Uh, the only active players with more are McDavid, Crosby, Malkin, and uh, Nathan McKinnon. And uh, Crosby and Malkin have played uh, significantly more games than um Than Leon Drysaddle, so and Connor McDavid, so you know I think there's a there's a really good chance that that those two are uh, are going to end up um, ahead of him in that regard. So we'll see. I'm just trying to find uh, because I know I have it saved somewhere uh, for uh, for back in uh, I think it was in October. um, Obviously after the uh, uh, the Nashville game where he had four points. And uh, I'll look it up. I'll find uh, where I have it saved. But uh, either way, it's his 24th. And I think McDavid is at 28 or 9. And uh, he's second on the list. So it's uh, it's not bad for the orders. Gregor, did I hear you correctly? Holloway's out months from Frank. Yes, Frank. Uh, unfortunately, it's what it looks like. It's just an unlucky break, man. Um Guys, all the way hasn't done a whole bunch. However, he was playing better. Always seems to uh, get hit, bit by the injury bug. It's true, and it's like you watched last night. There, there's nothing that training or anything else is going to come. Like, because to me, and I don't want to. I don't know. Like, I looked. You know, I've been told it's a knee injury. When you watch how he went in and where he was grabbing, to me, it's like a. You know, now is it a displaced kneecap? Right, I don't know, but like he went in hard. And you're going that fast, and you just crash into the boards like that. I know you have a knee pad on, but it's still going to do some damage. So uh, that's unfortunate. The Orders, though, the good news, two games in a row, the Edmonton Orders. How many risky plays did they make last night? How many can you think where you're just like, what? What are you doing? Now, mistakes. Don't confuse mistakes to high-risk play. I don't recall a lot of high. Like You look at the first goal they scored. You know, Ecom puts it around the boards. Uh, you, you, probably want Nugent Hopkins to be a little bit stronger on the boards. It's not a terrible, egregious giveaway or anything like that. It's just a lost battle there, right? And they get it in front. Uh, you know, the coach talked about it afterwards. Hey, we, we didn't want guys open in the slot. They had two, uh, you no, know, the first, sh- the first minute of the game, they had two good chances from the slot, but to Emmonton's credit, the players settled down. They didn't wilt. And then Drysidle had a great shot. Like, I like Barzell's shot. I saw some people trying to say, well, Skinner's got to stop that. No, I'm sorry. That's not a save that I'm remotely putting on the goalie. Just like I look at Drysaddle, that's a perfect shot by Sorokin. Right? I did not think he had much chance on, on Hyman's goal. McDavid, that might be the one where you'd look and say, geez, basically went right through him. Right? If that was a goal against an Edmonton goalie, people would be saying, hey, that went right through him. Even happens to a guy like Sorokin. I guess maybe they got to fire their goalie coach. Hey, cons. Yeah. I just going to say one thing and then I'm not going to move on from it but I understand, you know, fans, I love the passion. But don't confuse passion for a right for stupidity. Okay? I've seen it online, been I mean, people people were texting the show yesterday, you know, it don't make it personal, right? Then you look like a fool. Make no mistake. Being a fan doesn't give you the right to spread falsehoods full stop it doesn't you want to say hey I wish they changed the coach fine you're entitled to that that's an opinion even if you want to well I wouldn't I wouldn't recommend it but people keep retweeting false things oh no every goalie left Edmonton is better it's actually not true at all Koskinen was never better before Edmonton because he wasn't an NHL goalie it wasn't better afterwards Mike Smith retired and had two of his best years late in Edmonton Stuart Skinner, people have talked about, they need to develop a goalie. They need to develop a goalie. So they develop a goalie. He has a really good year. He's named to the all-star team. Uh, he uh, is a Calder finalist, and he has six bad games. Well, the goalie coach has never developed anyone. What? But either way, that's fine. Have your opinion on it. That's great. Don't spread falsehoods and look like an idiot, and then double down on it. Okay. He's not married to Kate's niece. Stop it, okay? He's got a wife and kids who reside in Edmonton, okay? Take a moment and be like, hmm, is this something I should be spreading? Like, think about it. You're retweeting no-name trolls on the internet, right? That doesn't make, that's your decision-making. You, no one else does it. You choose to do it. Don't do that, okay? That's when you look like an idiot fan. I'm sorry. There's no other way to put it. Don't spread falsehoods. You want to be frustrated about a coach being fired? Go right ahead. Don't spread falsehoods. That doesn't allow you to spread a falsehood. Well, I didn't know. Take a second and be like, hmm, why am I just hearing about this now? Because it's not true. All right. Don't make it personal. Okay. Don't make it personal. We'll come back. uh, Jeff Merrick will join us. Are changes coming over and back? In the NHL? We'll find out next on the Jason Greger Show, presented by PlayAlberta.ca. 224 on a Tuesday afternoon. How are you? Welcome back to the Greger Show. Coming to you live from the Ewell studio. E-W-E-L.ca for uh, all your electrical needs. They will uh, they add a little spark to the show uh, every day. That's E-W-E-L.ca time now to get to our big guest of the day brought to you by silent ice and uh they've expanded they now have the uh junior prospects hockey league an academy style approach for you 14 u 15 and u 18 players with a focus on skill development and education learn more at junior prospects hockey league and uh, we are joined by uh, the host of the uh, Jeff Merrick Show, also, of course, uh, co-host of uh, 32 Thoughts. Uh, you see him uh, uh, all over the place. Uh, Jeff Merrick joins us. Uh, Jeff, welcome to the show, my man. How you doing?
0: Pleasure is all mine. Was that Deep Purple bringing me in? It was, yeah. Uh. So one of my fondest memories was seeing Deep Purple in 1986 at Maple Leaf Gardens. I was a huge Jason Rishi Blackmore fan. And uh, that was one of the best, and should I mention, loudest concerts I think I've ever been to. I think it was only rivaled by the loudest arena that I was ever in, which was Edmonton during the uh, the 2006 Cup run. I went to games against San Jose and Anaheim, and was easily the loudest building I've ever been to.
1: Yeah, it was crazy, and uh, I, I still remember the uh, uh, game six in the cup final against Carolina when they won four nothing. And uh, before the game even started, it was bananas for like an hour because that's when oh, Pisani yeah. had scored shorthanded to bring it home again. And the fans are going bananas. It was, and that old rink, man, just the acoustics are just different. It sounded the, great. Yeah. Well, oh. The, the, the only one,
0: and I was at cops call a theme for, uh, for Gretzky to Lemieux. And that was loud as, as you can imagine. I've always wondered what it must've felt like though. 1987, Game 6 Stanley Cup Final Philadelphia Flyers Edmonton Oilers When JJ Daniels Scores that goal To send it to a Game 7 Because even just Watching it on television And watching the highlights Now It sounds
1: deafening oh, like It god. sounds
0: like One of the loudest Buildings I've ever heard
1: Wow like, Remember Chicago Stadium Like I oh, used to watch The National yeah. Anthem And you'd be like Oh my god This is
4: unreal
0: <laughs> <laughs> All those little tiny ones Like yeah. the, the odd In Buffalo yes. is Like that The boss I mean I went to Tons of games there um, You know The, the old Boston and garden those small those small barns where the seating we're going we're going down a a trail here where the (laughs) seating wasn't laid back but it was more straight up like a sumo palace so all the noise just like bounced off these walls that were really close and, and packed together Oh, man, those buildings were, A, gorgeous, B, a dump at the same time. They were beautifully ugly and loud, just oh. loud, loud,
1: loud. Yeah, everybody, was, everybody, was you were just right on the game. It was like, I still remember the yeah. first time I went to Maple Leaf Gardens, and the seats behind the net were basically right above the glass, like right above Ooh. the glass with no mesh. Yeah. And I'm like, how do people not get killed here? It's unreal.
0: I've always thought that. <laughs> you know, I the, the worst that I saw was at a, a Peterborough Pete's sto- Guelph, uh, Guelph Storm game, this would have been when I was going to university at Guelph, like 92 you <laughs> And I saw this person take one right between the lookers. And I don't know what happened to her. Obviously, she was let off right away. But it's one of the scariest things I ever saw. And I, I can't believe that it took until, you know, the Brittany, Brittany Cecil tragedy that we finally realized, you know what? These shots are coming in pretty fast. And a lot of them are getting deflected. And the glass isn't keeping them in. Maybe we should do something about this.
1: Yeah. Now, uh, speaking of changes, Jeff, uh, some rumblings oh. that uh, we might see uh, an over and back. I would much rather see over and back put in than a shot clock in three on three i'm not a fan of a shot clock because then the defense will just sit back and force you to have to take a shot from nowhere but the yeah. uh, over and back where once you cross center you can't come back in with possession i love that idea
0: you know it's funny too because i was on a panel This was at the uh, the primetime sports conference and i was on a panel with uh, dan mckenzie uh, the president of the uh the chl um, Mike Morielli was there as well boy that basketball league is doing great Scott Housen, uh Glenn Johnson from uh, Canadian Premier League Soccer and and Dave and, um, uh, and Scott Housen the president of the American Hockey League and this is a throwaway question at the end like we're about to wrap up I'm getting the uh, okay get off the stage now uh-huh. uh, and uh, from Brian Burke like alright Merrick you've, you've had enough time let's, let's wrap it up and I just throw well, just a throwaway question Jason one of those like if you could change one rule in your league what would it be and it got to Housen and Housen thought about it. He said, you know what? The three-on-three needs to change. It's just turned into a neutral zone regroup after neutral zone regroup. Uh, he said, you know, I, you know, the, the Brian Burke shot clock is one thing. And Brian's brought that up, by the way, in managers' meetings before. It's gone nowhere, but he, he has brought it up. Uh, and he said, you know, I like the idea of if you're in the offensive zone and you deliberately send it back to the neutral zone for a regroup, it's a change of possession at the spot where you make the pass, or at the at the blue line when you exit the zone. Okay. Um, w- whichever rule we decide to go down here, whichever rule the league decides to go down here, um, it does really sort of wink at you know the the, the 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 one reality that I've been talking about now for years, which is and say it with me here, Jason. Coaches have ruined overtime. <laughs> My idea, if we're over, do you want to get want to get rid of all these regroups and all that? At the beginning of overtime, to send all the coaches to the room and just let the guys. Remember those first few years of overtime? Oh yeah. Was just up and down. It was sprints. It was bad angle shots that led to two on ones one way and two on ones the other way. There was that great the first year. There was that great Ottawa Detroit overtime. Like bring us some of that back. That was that was the most exciting overtime that we've ever seen and we we said to ourselves the great thing about this is coaches don't have their hooks in it yet like they haven't figured out how to coach the overtime they will eventually but they haven't yet and it wasn't until coaches started to get their hooks in and no low percentage shots and got to be safe and it's all about possession and setting up for the perfect shot when you win the draw again coaches ruin everything They ruin, they take all the fun out of hockey you want to solve the overtime? Get rid of the coaches. What do you think of that?
1: Oh, dude! Well, uh, we don't want it ever happen. But I like. But this is one way that it kind of limits what the coaches can do, right? You're, you're kind of you're neutering them a little bit. Uh, I like it a lot. Um, I, I see no reason why you wouldn't do it. And then the, and then the other caveat I have, Jeff. What do you think the appetite is to expand it even to seven minutes and limit shootouts?
0: I mean, I like it. Uh, I know the players' association will look at it and say, like, how much extra hockey do you want us to play here? Like that is that is one concern because now we're making a major rule change and that would have to go to the competition committee. Like the players would weigh in on this one. You know, I I think a lot of uh, I think a lot of what the PA does here is kind of say, like, hold on a second here. We're we're asking them to play 60 minutes, then we're asking them to play an extra five, and then we're asking them for a shootout, and now you want even more time for the three on three. At a certain point, I think the Players Association is just going to say, okay, that's enough, that's our line in the sand we need to we need to get these games over. I mean, but but that's the PA. If it's up to me, I mean, endless overtime 3 on 3, I'm all for it. So if you want to do 7, Jason, I'm good. You want to do 10, I'm good with that. I can just see the players majorly pushing back on this one.
1: Yeah, no, that's a uh, that's totally fair. Uh a, a few other things uh, to look at, Jeff. Give me your thoughts from uh, from afar on the Oilers' yep. moves here in the last uh, 72 hours.
0: Uh, I always thought, and and still do, that the Oilers' biggest problem is composition, not coaching. Um, uh, I think that Jay Woodcroft will be unemployed as long as Jay Woodcroft wants to be, and I think there's a lot of coaches that are nervous out there now that Jay Woodcroft, that shark is in the waters and is available for hire. Um, Like, I'll tell you what, I I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm watching the Islanders last night, and... You know, we saw that game on Saturday where everyone's chanting for you know for you know Lane Lane Lambert to get fired, and Casey yeah. Sazekis slips off about telling the fans not to come. You can understand how well that went over at the owners' level or the marketing level of the of the New York Islanders at that point. I like to be the communications director stick handling that one, um, but you know, I was I couldn't help thinking to myself here. You know, if if you're the Islanders and you are Thinking about a coaching change, you know, are you not looking at someone like Jay Woodcroft, right, right out of the hop? But uh, I wasn't necessarily a fan of that. I like what Woodcroft had done with the team. I, I, I think Jason, like you're there, you're closer to it than I am. I just can't believe that he didn't have a longer runway, like one complete season, and and that was it. Like I, I know the start was the start, and don't want to squander prime of Dreisaitl no. and, and prime of Connor McDavid. I'm just still, like, I'm still stunned. At, uh, at at what we saw. Like and I like Chris Doblock as a coach too. Um but this was like, this was very much, and, and you know this, like, this was very much a Jeff Jackson move. Like, I remember my first conversation with Jeff Jackson about Chris Knobloch uh, was at the Memorial Cup in Windsor, and Knobloch was coaching the uh, the Erie Otters, and, you know, they got upset by Rocky Thompson's Windsor Spitfires. Um, but Jeff Jackson has been talking about Knobloch being, uh, like, an NHL-ready coach for a long time now, and this was his moment uh, to pull the trigger on it. So, As much as I wasn't a fan of Woodcroft losing his job, um, and I still don't believe that he did. did. I still can't believe that he got such a little runway here. Um, I think that that was, I think the San Jose game, and maybe even before that too, and they had already had their, in case of emergency, break glass moments. And I think at that point it was it was all over for Woodcroft and Manson.
1: Yeah, no, and that's fair. I, I think it's obvious it was a Jeff Jackson move, no question. And, and that happens in pro sports. New guy comes in, and uh, you know when things aren't going well, because I don't think anybody at the start of the season thought that Jay Woodcroft was remotely on any sort of hot seat. No, yeah, but, but nobody not thought a, the not, orders not w- would start. Um, Two, two, nine and one either. So uh, that's, uh you know, pro sports can be vicious sometimes there. There's no question uh, about that. It can, uh, it can be vicious. um uh, You mentioned the Islanders, you know, Lane Lambert, they, they were chanting his name. They've been chanting DJ yeah. Smith. It's, it's the new thing right now. Um, they're looking yeah. for, uh, you know, for chanting uh, the names a little bit, but on a positive note for a team that's not playing bad, Connor Bedard currently leads the NHL in five on five goals with eight. He has nine goals total in 13 games. He's on pace to score 50. You think as a rookie, he scores 50, Jeff?
0: See, the start is the start, and it's awesome. I, I wonder what happens during the dog days, right? Like, let's get into late January. Let's get into February when the team's been out of the playoff picture for a long time. And you know how long 82 games feels for anybody, let alone a team that's out of the playoff picture. Um, that's, that, that would be my, my only concern here about Bedard. Like, look, like every night he's doing something that just leaves you shaking your head. Like, I'm still shaking my head over the, the goal against the Panthers. I don't know how he scored from that position on the ice. I have no clue no. how he got that puck to where he got it. It uh, the the kid's phenomenal. The kid's spectacular. Um, like, look, you watched him play in the Western Hockey League. How many times did you say, "Wow, this the, this game is easy"? But let's see what happens at the pro level. Do you not get the sense now that he's getting that feeling like it's starting to get easier already for 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 Connor Bedard? Like, I remember watching Nathan McKinnon with Colorado, and I think it was it was a like game 29 or game 30 where it sort of all came together for for McKinnon and you're like okay now he's comfortable and now we're going to see you know Halifax McKinnon and i think we're starting to see now the Regina Pats Connor Bedard where it's like okay i know how the game is played up here now now i can start to have fun with it can he score 50 sure he can i just wonder about fatigue for a kid like that on a on a on a on a team that's uh, that has you know that's not going to be anywhere close to the playoffs. What happens, not just to Bedard, but the entire team, come January February, because that will have an effect on
1: them. Oh yeah, no no, no debate on that. Uh, Jeff Merrick joins us. Uh, Jeff, are you a believer in the Ducks? <laughs> I think that uh, I mean I want to be. And
0: by the way, that Radko Gudas goal on Sunday. <laughs> like, he, he, okay. So here, Jason, here's how we see it. Like, there's two teams in Anaheim. There's the Anaheim Ducks and there's the Mighty Ducks of Anaheim. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, the Mighty Ducks of Anaheim are, you know, is the, the movie and Michael Eisner and the Flying V and all that stuff. And then the Anaheim Ducks is that team, you know, with Pronger and Niedermeyer and Getzlaff and 2007 and Jaguar and winning the Stanley Cup and being mean and skilled and, like, a really good team. Um, but then there's the, the Anaheim, the, uh, the Mighty Ducks of Anaheim. And here's, here's my question to everybody, because for me, the answer is yes. Was that not the mightiest Ducks goal ever scored? Oh, like not- if you're making a, a, a movie about what actually happens on the ice and, and they're wearing the throwback yep. too, like it wasn't it was a Mighty Ducks of Anaheim goal altogether. Um, am I am I a believer? I know I'm not right now. But long term am I a believer in the Anaheim Ducks? Absolutely. Like you see with this team, you're a draft guy, like you know how well they yeah. drafted. You know the develop like that development model in San Diego. I mean, San Diego's a mini NHL. They passed that barn. Great fans in San Diego. Um, You know, whether it was Dallas Aikens and Marty Wilford, you know, developing all those defensemen for Anaheim for all those years, um, they got a really good thing going between the AHL and the National Hockey League. Um, And it it seems like, like, doesn't it seem like every time you watch Anaheim, there's another all-star, you know, 21-year-old defenseman
4: uh,
0: on the roster. And we haven't even seen the best one yet, Nolan Zellweger. You know, like, Minchikov's been great. Oh, uh, Like, really and, now we're, and now we're waiting for Olin Zellweger eventually. Yeah. So, like, at every single level, Lucas Dostal is Rookie of the Month in October. And, like, at every single position, Jason, they have, like, the potential for superstars here. Like, am I a believer now? No. Is it fun? Yes. Am I a believer long-term? Yes. And the only question is, how quickly can they get to that rarefied air where they're consistent Stanley Cup performance?
1: And uh, one last one for you, uh, Jeff, before we let you go quickly. The uh, Florida Panthers, lots of people thought they would be in the muck because of the you know, two defensemen are out, then Bennett gets hurt in the third, second game of the season. But, man, um, they, they have come out, and now Ekblad's getting close, Montour's getting close, Bennett's getting close. They went all the way to the Stanley Cup final last year. Uh, what do you make of the Panthers and their chance to maybe win that division?
0: How many, how many Vancouver Canucks fans do you think are listening to your show right now? Uh, not a lot, maybe a few. Okay. Okay, so I'll I'll whisper out to not offend them. Uh is Oliver Ekman Larson actually good?
1: <laughs> oh, he has been really <laughs> good for more <Florida. laughs> Like if
0: you're a Vancouver fan, are you not watching this and like what's going on here? Yeah. <laughs> like I, I get that it's it's a little bit this has been true for a lot of years. It's a little bit easier to play defense in the Eastern Conference than it is in the Western Conference. Like, there was, like, a long stretch there where defensemen went from east to west, and, man, they struggled for a long – it took a while uh, for them to really figure out how to play in the Western Conference. So I, I do get that it's a little bit easier as a defender in the Eastern Conference, but, you know, they're, uh, they're getting some some key performances, certainly from the goaltending. Um, I think Gustav Forsling has been really good as well. The aforementioned Oliver ekman Larson I think very quietly, uh, Alexander Barkov is turning in an outstanding season here. Again, it's quiet because it's it's Florida, and you know Matthew Kachuk's a star there. Um, I got to give it to him. Like we, you know, we always talk about early candidates for Coach of the Year, and Rick Tockett's going to be there, obviously. Yep. But, you know, Paul Maurice has done a great job here with the Panthers one more time. Can they win? I mean, it depends on how you feel about the Boston Bruins. I mean, they have the best net-minding tandem in the league. They may have the best blue line ball. do respect Vegas. In the NHL as well, Um, you know, I, I think they have the potential to do it and they're getting the big reinforcements. And the thing about Bill Zito is, too, with whatever it takes, the Florida Panthers, as we're told, they will do whatever it takes to try to bring in Pat Kane, yeah, whatever it takes, they'll try to get Pat Kane in Florida. It's going to be a tough sell job because we know what their cap situation is, but they will they will move heaven, earth, the beaches, and the mountains to try Oof. to get Patrick Kane in the mix. Well,
1: that's interesting. Like to me, the team that should be trying the hardest is Carolina. If they get Patrick Kane, I think that's the missing piece for them. They've always missed that one dynamic guy. Yeah, and, uh,
0: see, I think Dallas because I look at Dallas's oh. right side. And outside of Joe Podolsky, is there anyone that really grabs you into deep water and says, "Hey, let's let's tread water out here for a while"? Yeah, no. Like, that's I look at Dallas and say, like that, that right side could use a Patrick Kane. Oh,
1: yeah. Well, there's a lot that could. Uh, no question about that. Sure, Jeff, we really appreciate the conversation, man. Thanks so much. We'll do it again soon. Thanks, pal. Let's let's do it again, Jason. You'll be good, pal. We bet you that is uh, Jeff Merrick, of course, uh, host of the uh, Jeff Merrick Show. Uh, him and Friedman, of course, uh, do fantastic on uh, Thirty Two Thoughts and more. 243, when we return. You know, hey, some change is good, and then sometimes I'm like, I'm not sure I understand it.
0: Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood f.
1: We'll find out next on the Jason Greger Show, presented by PlayAlberta.ca, live on Orders Nation YouTube and Sports 1440. 248. Welcome back, Tuesday edition of the hey, Greger show. show. How are, How you? are you? Presented are you? by PlayAlberta.ca. Alberta's only regulated online gambling website. Stay within your limits. Use your game sense. Go to game Let's get now to the. NBA report brought to you by Legacy Heating and Cooling. Home to no payments, no interest for one year on your furnace. Don't wait; you know it's on the last legs. Get it done now. No payments. Legacy Heating. The uh, NBA. It's interesting. They got some changes. They got the 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 play in tournament, but uh, yeah, we'll, we'll try to explain that. Uh, also, uh, some interesting numbers early on. Something we haven't seen in the NBA since nineteen ninety three. We'll get to all of that with uh, Paul Sir, former uh, pro coach and uh, player, great uh, basketball analyst, joins us once again. And Paul, can, can you do you like this tournament that's on? Because it's only a few days a week that the games count. Like, can you explain it uh, in simple terms?
3: No.
4: <laughs>
3: <laughs> I, I I was waiting. Uh, I was hoping you're going to bring on somebody from MIT or Harvard. I, you know it's an attempt by the n b a to add some excitement a one and done element to a tournament, but locations uh you know timing it's been really hard to follow because it looks like a couple of teams are squaring off in this tournament, then all of a sudden they're back to the regular season schedule so honestly jason i for our our great listeners out there i can't i can't really explain it other than it's a thing going on right now, and I think is it works itself out, we'll get more attention to it because even the attention being paid to it in the media right now is, is, is sporadic and sparse. Yeah. Uh, people aren't, aren't really focusing on
1: it. Yeah. So basically it's, um it's an in season tournament that uh, began on November 3rd, um, the championship will be on December 9th. The semifinals go on the, uh, on the 7th. There's, there's group play and then there's the knockout round, right? Uh, all the teams are randomly drawn into groups of five, right? Uh, based on some, uh, one loss records, uh, last season. Then you get to eight teams will advance to the knockout rounds. Yada, yada, yada. That's how it goes. Um, so it, it is difficult. Um, I, I can at least tell you the groups. For anybody out there who cares, uh, West Group A is Memphis, Phoenix, the Lakers, the Jazz, and the Trailblazers. Group B is the Nuggets, Clippers, Pelicans, Mavs, and the Rockets. And Group C is the Kings, the Golden State Warriors, the Timberwolves, the Thunder, and the Spurs. Well, clearly, Group C is the easiest group, right, in the West. I don't think there's any debate on that. Uh, in the East, 76ers, Cavaliers, Hawks, Pacers, and Pistons are Group A. Bucks, Knicks, Heat, Wizard, Hornets, B. And then C is the Celtics, the Nets, the Raptors, the Bulls. And uh, and the magic, so uh, you know group uh, group play will take place every Tuesday to Friday. So uh, starting tonight, um, except on uh, uh, well last week because of the election. Right. And then uh, they, there's group stages. I just I'm trying to read like there's league <laughs> honors. You get a tournament. There's a most valuable player in the competition. It's I don't know what I, I like trying new things. But this one, I'm not really sure if it's going to benefit anything. So it's just kind of odd. But I do want to get to some some numbers early on, Paul. Three pointers in the NBA right now. Some some teams that are shucking it.
3: <laughs> oh, my gosh. Uh Everybody, you know, this whole t- trend towards the three, Jason, uh, when you when – you, uh, teams are trying to get out there and to chuck threes. They have really bought and drank the analytics Kool-Aid that the more threes, the merrier. And, uh, gosh, you know, you can even have seen this uh, with the Raptors. It's one of those situations where when it rains, it pours. It's great when they're going in. But when you look at the statistics, the – improvement in the overall shooting percentage for threes hasn't really gone up much over the last 10 years. So to me, what what we're seeing in the NBA is that trend towards chucking great word uh, and ignoring other ways to score to the point where I, I think it's counterproductive because then when you play against a team like Denver, or a team like Philadelphia, and now, of course, with the emergence of Wen Yama, Chad Holman, we'll see where those guys go. Uh, But when you have a a legitimate low-post presence, uh, you, you add a dimension that a lot of teams don't have right now because what they're doing is just, as you point out, they're just looking to shoot the three as much as possible.
1: Yeah. Oh, uh, now some are doing it quite well, right? There's no question about it. Um, right. And, uh, but it is, uh, now you look at, uh, numbers as far as, and you were a big man, Paul, when you played still a big man, you look at, uh, two rookies, uh, uh, Wemby has 197 points, 88 rebounds, 24 blocks. And then Holmgren has 164 points, 76 rebounds, and 23 blocks. They're the first pair of rookies to hit these numbers since Shaquille O'Neal and Alonzo Mourning back in '92-'93. Like, uh, are they bringing back the big men?
3: Well, they're bringing them back, but they're bringing back the uh, the, the the light version of uh, physically. Like, they're big, but they're both. It, it, you know, it's real interesting. This is one of those, this is, I think, the generational evolution of the game of basketball. You have these two guys with incredible wingspans, incredible skill sets, because both of them can shoot the three. Both of them have a great game facing up to the basket, can also play back to the basket, but are more what you would call a traditional three or four player. Uh, in terms of where they play and where they score, they score from attacking the basket from the front of the rim, as opposed with their back to the rim. So, I, I think yeah, it brings back the big man, but it brings back the new big man because you're dealing with two guys that are barely 200 pounds yeah. at over seven feet tall. And you talk about Shaquille and uh, Alonzo. I mean, that, you, you're talking about 700 pounds of guys there, <laughs> as opposed to 400. So. Uh, it's a very different big man, but it's is, is it's definitely bringing the big man back. And just wait, next draft, you're going to see a lot of long, big guys drafted because the uh, typical pattern in the NBA is if you have some success with one type of player, everybody goes out and tries to find the next one.
1: Well, yeah, and the fact that if you... You know, if you can find big men that can shoot, Paul, it's it's if it's when they go to the big men who can't shoot. To me, that's almost I'm not gonna say a wasted pick because they have value, but uh, in today's NBA, they don't have nearly as much value.
3: They they don't. You're you're right. If you can get a gem, and this all started with Dirk. He started. He showed that seven footers can shoot the three. Mm-hmm. Now the seven footers want to shoot the three. I mean, that back to the basket game isn't as much fun as stepping out front and hitting the three. So Dirk led the way, and now players like Wemby, uh, like Holmgren, uh, they've they've worked on it since they were young, and they're they're able to do it successfully, as successfully as players a lot smaller than them. So you're absolutely right. Uh, the traditional big man not as much in demand, but that kind of segues nicely into the Raptors, in that they're lucky to have a guy like Pirtle, who is a traditional big man. Yeah. Uh, who's able to take care of business around the basket. They still haven't found a consistent shooting rhythm, Jason, but they're getting there, and they're getting better. But to have a guy like Pirtle who's able to just bang down low and clean up around the hoop and be very efficient, that's nice. That's a nice uh, – that's a nice piece of the puzzle.
1: Well, they've had two significant comebacks here for victories, including a 24-point comeback last night uh, over the Wizards. Um, you look at Pascal Siakam, I think, has had a very – you know, he's slow start early, but he's been excellent lately. Same with Scotty Barnes. Um, well, what do you uh, – kind of what do you make of this starting five of the Raptors?
3: Well, I, the, we talked a couple of weeks ago about it's an odd configuration of talent. It's certainly – is not a classic NBA roster if you if, if there is such a thing in in reality. But you you've got so much length uh, in that starting five when you've got a seven footer like Pirtle and real long, tall players like uh, like Scotty Barnes and uh, Pascal Siakam add in OG Ananobi at six eight and really long and a great defender and then Dennis Schroeder that's a really unusual mix. But Pascal, like you said, slow start, but he and, and coach seem to be getting along right now. And one thing that impresses me so much about Scotty Barnes is his willingness, genuine willingness to share the ball. And he, he looks for Pascal. And when Pascal's cooking, the Raptors are really good. When he's not, not, not so much so. So uh, I think their starting five is intriguing That's a tough, that that should be a tough group to score on because they are so long and so athletic, and they do have a legitimate rim protector and purdle.
1: And what do you make of the rap? like obviously, their starts have been terrible, Paul, but uh, they don't give up, and they've been able to come back, so I give them a lot of credit. like um Washington I think scored one point in the final seven minutes last night, so that's part of on on their inability to score for sure. but well you know what what's your thoughts uh, early on now, you've had uh, you know ten games to to look at the Raptors and their coaching? What do you make of it?
3: Well, you know they're not they're not hard to like. Uh, they're still figuring things out. Uh, I think the coach is a—he's he's a charismatic guy. He's definitely into the game. The guy, the players seem to like him. Uh, he knows he knows FIBA basketball really well. I think that injection of international style of play into what the Raptors do could be helpful. Uh, I still think they're a piece or two away from being a legitimate threat. You know, when you look at how Philadelphia with ex Raptors coach Nick Nurse. How they're playing, and again, it's early. Boston looks very, very good. Milwaukee's another team that's still trying to figure itself out, and Damian Lillard has been, I think, kind of Pascal Siakam-like in that he's been hot and cold. So, um, uh, you know, overall, I don't dislike the Raptors. I think 5-5, five and five, that's kind of the type of team that I think they're going to be this year. And and that was a great comeback last night, but the team, unfortunately, they came back against is 2-9. and nine and not a very good team. So for them to be down that early is more indicative of some of the other issues the Raptors have to come to terms with.
1: Paul, uh, good stuff. We will chat some hoops with you again next week. Have a good one.
3: Yep. You as well, Jason. Take care. Thanks.
1: That's uh, Paul, sir. Joining us. uh, Talk a little hoops every Tuesday here on sports 1440. Uh, Sean Brown is in studio, ready to rock and roll. We'll talk about uh, defense. What kind of changes you expect And You know, when you have a defense coach, What what are the things, you know, Evan Bouchard talked a little bit about some of the things that uh, Dave Manson uh, worked on with him. And, uh, you know, Paul Coffey has uh, some other things that he wants to work on with Evan Bouchard, specifically moving the puck quicker. Right. Uh, That's a big thing that Evan Bouchard talked about today. So we'll we'll hear all of that and more after the con man and a sports 1440 update uh, brought to you by Fountain Tire. The road ready sales event is on right now. $225 off select tires. Also, you can get an extra $50 off when you book any service right now at FountainTire.com through
4: until December 16th. Book yours, FountainTire.com.